Hi, and welcome to my second episode. Uh, in this episode, you're going to be hearing uh, from people that I will be getting in studio uh, to interview and ask them about how they got play, started playing in tennis also. Uh, many friends of mine. Uh, so uh, that's what will be coming uh, in upcoming episodes uh, with Tennis Volley Talk. Also, I would like to congratulate uh, Maxime Cressy for winning the Hall of Fame tournament in Newport, Rhode Island over Alexander Rublik. Rublik, sorry. And uh, with that, uh, he won 2-6, in the third set. Probably one of the true serving volley tennis players out there now. Uh, congratulations to Maxime Cressy. Now, along with this episode too, what I will be telling you about is a racket of the day also. Uh, and uh, with that, uh, you're going to learn a little bit more about the, the racket. And, uh, and it's a nice racket uh, that you're going to be seeing today. Uh, and also along with that too, uh, you know, there again, I will then, uh, along the way too, in other upcoming episodes, be talking about, you know, what you may have done during the pandemic, whenever you were not doing anything, did you get out and hit the tennis ball in any way, uh, keep up on your skills, uh, what did you end up doing? Uh, so that's kind of another thing I will be doing in other episodes. Uh, then also, you know, I will be talking uh, also about, um, you know, the, uh, during the pandemic, there was uh, one game that was invented, uh, and it was called Ultimate Tennis Challenge, which then had a very good format, too. And I'll be talking about that, which was really a good fast-paced format, which you could do something like that now if you wanted to, and it takes about an hour to play, but it's a very good game to try to do. You just have to have a timekeeper to, uh, in order to do that uh, particular game. So with that in mind too, I will then uh, actually uh, get to the racket of the day. Now this racket is, is actually uh, endorsed by Ted Swinson. Now, Ted Swinson actually was uh, born August 16th. Uh, eight, 1918, and he lived until 1995. Now, also with that, too, uh, this is also dated August 16th, 1922, and right there. And that's the racket right there, too. Uh, and that's the Probably the notification then in the 20s, these kind of rackets had this kind of a, a throat on them. And uh, all the handle that was used to be wrapped, but now isn't. But that's what they used to have. for the And they wrapped it. And here's part of the, well, was some of the wrap there. 
but that's the racket that it is. And this is the old, uh, what they called uh, cat or cow gut string for a tennis racket. So that's what they call that. And uh, that's a very good, uh, very good old racket that I figured that uh, you would like to uh, take a look at. Uh, very good racket, uh, old racket uh, for back then. And I'm just glad that I happened to come across it and I can preserve it for uh, my collection that I have. So a very good, nice racket all the way around to take a look at. And if you want to, what I'm going to do too is if you want to, you can go to my Facebook page, uh, Brian Danielson Facebook, and then uh, you can let me know what you may think about the racket itself. And uh, that would be muchly appreciated. Uh, so let me know uh, on my Facebook, Brian Danielson on Facebook. And uh, with that too, uh, uh, you know, other things that I will be talking about in other episodes is then, you know, with uh, all the tennis uh, teaching that's going on nowadays, uh, and you're looking on the computer and everything, uh, what do you think of uh, also, uh, you know, the tennis teaching of other, you know, that you have to pay for, but you can learn from pros in the business and they put their, their knowledge to what you want to do. So there's another thing that I will be talking about too. Uh, and then also throughout uh, my tennis podcast too, what I will do and be doing is uh, be talking to uh, tennis friends of mine that <laughs> that grew up playing tennis. Uh, one guy in Oklahoma that used to be a almost pro tennis player that was on the England uh, tennis uh, tour of players. But uh, he was almost there, but then he got married and went off and had a family and he, he you know, almost got there. But he did get sponsored with a racket uh, from a company. So, and uh, I was fortunate enough to get one of those rackets from him, which was really nice. So with that, uh, also, uh, you know, with the friends that I will have coming on, uh, you know, they're going to be, you know, friends of mine. Uh, like uh, Scott Johnson. Uh, he's been playing for many years. Uh, now, this guy is amazing with numbers and, and remembering points that you may have played and hit uh, years ago, and he's playing against you, but he remembers those kind of points. Uh, there's uh, another friend that I have, Bruce Swanson. Uh, he started, uh, and he played in high school, and then he started back into playing tennis, and he's gotten really good. Uh, he's my nemesis and I don't like when he beats me and I have to find a way to beat him. So one of these days I will, but I haven't been doing a very good job at that right now. Uh, and I think it's because maybe I'm just not concentrating on return of serve or serving very well, but sometimes you get into those ruts that happen, uh, where you just can't hit the ball very well. And I'm not right at this time. <laughs> Pardon me, I've been fighting a cold, so 
I do apologize on uh, that. And then also I will be talking to a friend of mine that is actually the co-owner of a uh, racket club that just opened in a small town uh, not very far from me. And uh, then he, I will interview him at one time. And uh, I also do have an interview that I have in, in the can uh, that that will be coming up as an interview with a friend in Tulsa who used to own a tennis shop. And uh, that was a very good interview, uh, Cliff Price. And he was very, uh, it was a very good interview with him and talked about his tennis career, how he got started, uh, you know, how he got into the tennis uh, store and, and, and got into the business that way, uh, his accolades of being able to play tennis. Uh, and he just, uh, very good. Uh, I will also be talking about uh, and may try to interview and try to get a hold of um, a well-known tennis facility back in Tulsa called uh, La Fortune Tennis Center. Uh, that started with about 1970, uh, 71, uh, a little small building, uh, a few courts. And now it has built itself up where they have uh, three indoor tennis courts and they're planning on doing seven altogether. Uh, and then adding more, I think another six or seven outside courts to the courts. And this is a very good facility. It actually really has kind of taken over uh, the prime place where everybody congregates for tennis now within Tulsa. Uh, because all the tennis courts that used to play at uh, are in disarray and um, they don't, they're not maintained anymore. Even the high school I used to play at, uh, the courts are just way bad and low and not maintained at all anymore. So that's kind of a sad thing to see. So with that, then that's what I will end up doing in trying to, uh, you know, interview those people on my later podcasts. I just feel fortunate myself to be able to be the tennis player and playing tennis as long as I have. And also in order to then collect these rackets that I have, because if I had not got them, uh, I know that they would have been end up in a trash heap someplace. And I'm so uh, glad that I'm able to get them and able to display them for the tennis players out there. So also let me know what you think about uh, my tennis racket collection, what you think or what you can see of it and on my Facebook. And, uh, you know, get anybody that you can to... Uh, you know, get a hold of me and uh, ask me and what I'm what you may want to hear in later podcasts. I can certainly do that too. Uh, my goal within this uh, tennis podcast too is eventually being able to uh, get a hold of a, a tennis pro uh, at one time or another uh, somehow uh, through this. So. That's what I intend to try to do also. Uh, and then with that, uh, I'm also uh, planning on hopefully uh, getting a hold of 
a tennis facility, I believe it is in Cincinnati, that the head pro also does tennis fantasy camps, but that will be in later uh, podcast possibility uh, that I will be giving an interview that way. Uh, so with that, uh, that is, you know, the basic thing behind uh, episode two. Um, I will also be uh, talking to and about my experiences and how I've played tennis through the years and what I've done. Uh, like I said in the first episode, I learned on, uh, you know, the cement courts uh, when I was in junior high and just kept playing one summer. And then I just kind of progressed upon that. And I've just uh, played these many years, over 50 years of playing tennis. Now, I've had my share that... <laughs> that I've been able to uh, see many tennis pros over the years, the likes of John Newcomb, Guillermo Vilas, Vita Scarolitis, uh, Ely Nastasi, Jimmy Connors. Uh, I've actually seen Frank Hammond. I've actually then seen Bjorn Borg. Uh, I've act and also I've seen Rod Laver. Uh, Billie Jean King right after she retired I've seen her, pictures of her, uh, many pictures of all the ones that I mentioned, too, uh, that I was able to get pictures of, too. Even got a pictures of uh, Monica Sellis and saw her play before about a month before she got stabbed, uh, along with Mary Jo Fernandez, uh, David Wheaton, uh, Jimmy Connors, uh, John and uh, Patrick McEnroe. Uh, that was here in Minneapolis. Uh, in an exhibition. I actually happened to sneak down on court and I had my T2000 with me that uh, I had the cover assigned by many pros uh, and they were playing doubles and in Minneapolis, uh, McEnroe was standing there getting ready to return serve. I was on the court taking pictures and my T2000 was right next to me. And all lo and behold, he looks over and he goes over and puts his racket down, picks my T2000 up and he starts hitting with my T2000 tennis racket. So all four of those guys ended up hitting with my T2000 tennis racket, which was pretty interesting in itself. And I know that if I ever talked or mentioned that to John McEnroe, as good as he remembers points that he played, <laughs> I know that he would probably remember that particular uh, time that he was there and he picked my racket up. And I've also had the opportunity to see uh, many pros within Tulsa that played in what they called the Bank of Oklahoma tennis tournament for many years. Uh, it started out with a regular draw of uh, a tennis tournament, uh, 30, I think 32-man draw. And I watched them, Jimmy Connors, play one year uh, in the championship uh, uh, match against Amos Mansdorf. And uh, Connors played really well, but Amos Mansdorf ended up winning in three sets. But that was a very, very good match to watch. I actually tape recorded, or well, actually VHS, 
uh, Connors uh, playing in between points, which was really a fun thing to do too. So, you know, with that, uh, you got to kind of learn if you closed your eyes back then, you could hear the little short squeaky steps that Connors took in order to get the balls. His legs and feet were always moving and you could hear that within what he did in getting to a ball and hitting a ball. And he was still using his T2000 racket back then too. You know, before he went into the composite racket and the little newer rackets that, that he uh, used uh, later in his tennis career. And uh, also with that too, uh, then we, I will then probably be mentioning a little bit about tennis tournaments that are coming up uh, the uh the U.S. Open series like Cincinnati uh, gearing up and going into the U.S. Open, which is in uh, the last part of August, starts last part of August into the first part of September. And uh, that's always a nice event to uh, go uh, watch on TV. Uh, would like to be going there one time when on my bucket list to go. Uh, bucket list also is going to see the French Open or Wimbledon. Uh, so one of these days I may get there, uh, which would be kind of fun too. I've been to Wimbledon before on a coach tour when I went to uh, UK and flew into London and then went to Wimbledon. That was right after the big Roger Federer Nadal match in 2008. Uh, they were not showing the grounds, but I was able to see the museum and see a little bit of the front grounds of Wimbledon. So that was an adventure in itself, walking past the big green hedge that everybody sees uh, as the camera pans uh, through the lines that are uh, there every year. And it sits right in a little neighborhood is where it sits. Really kind of a surprising. On the one side, you see the houses are on the one side, and you're walking down about a half mile away from this uh, station, and then all of a sudden, you know, there it opens up, and it's a big, huge grass facility that opens up, and it's in a big, huge open area, uh, which re really is something that just sets right in a residential area, which is which is really uh, interesting in itself. But that was an interesting adventure in itself to be able to go find Wimbledon. Uh, that was a fun thing to do uh, with that on that trip to UK. And then also, I've had the opportunity then to play on uh, a grass tennis court. Uh, last year, uh, it was in Charles City, Iowa, that I was able to play on a grass tennis court. Now, that's a different feel to play on grass, but it was still really a fun experience to do. Uh, so that's always uh, fun if you've never played on grass uh, to be able to get a chance to do that. Uh, it was a very good experience all the way around to be able to do something like that uh, on a grass court. I also played uh, on one of grass, four grass tennis courts in uh, Oregon at one time too. Uh, now that was an or that was an ordeal getting to in my in itself because I saw an article in Tennis Magazine one time that I ended up uh, seeing that a guy was mowing a uh, tennis court. And he ended up, he was, it was talking about him being the liquor store owner in Baker City, Oregon. And he had made, uh, went to uh, uh, British Columbia and saw tennis courts, 
grass. And he says, I could do that and I could build those. And so he went home and then he ended up building four gra- or two grass tennis courts. And years later, he ended up uh, building four, uh, two more grass tennis courts. So I went up there one year. Uh, one year I went up there. Uh, I almost got there, but he was going out of town when I was going and it didn't work out. And then uh, the next, uh, about three years later, then I called him up. He was going to be there. And I decided that I was going to go up there on a uh, midweek. And uh, then I went, ended up going up there and he had a uh, gentleman's doubles uh, planned with me. So I played with the owner, two of his friends, and we had played for like three, about three and a half hours of doubles, uh, which was really nice because it didn't feel that really warm out. And it was a 95 out, but up there, the humidity was very low. So it didn't feel that warm. Uh, at that time, but very nice tennis courts all the way around. Uh, at the time, it was called Granger Granger's Grass Tennis Courts. Now it's been purchased by the uh, local uh, guy that does, has a jewelry store, and it's called Wimbledon. Well, his name is Don, so they kind of called it Wimbledon Courts. And it's still registered up. If you look under grass tennis courts in Baker City, Oregon, uh, you'll still be able to see those. And they have some pictures of those, too. They have tennis tournaments up there also uh, from local around, uh, uh, you know, uh, Montana and South Dakota. And people come from all over to do those grass, uh, that, that tournament there when they have that. So, you know, anybody that's interested in having an adventure to go play on a grass court, be in a tournament, uh, and they have it set up very good for a grass tennis tournament, too. Uh, it has a little clubhouse and it has a refrigerator. You can make food, and it just really is a good facility. can sit there, watch the tennis being played, uh, just very relaxed atmosphere. If it was a tournament, uh, very nice area uh, up in that area. And with that, too, I... Uh, have had also opportunity just to be able to enjoy tennis. Uh, that's what's keep me. I still play singles. I can't play doubles, but I do still play singles. And uh, that is the fun thing to do too uh, with that. And also uh, in, in doing so, uh, I've had many opportunities. I play in a local tennis tournament at the, here in Elk River, and I've always strived to get uh, hardware. Uh, haven't been doing too good in the last few years, but over the years, I've gotten some hardware, and that's been some fun time and how I've gotten it. I've played very well when I did that, uh, so that's always been a fun tournament to do. They have a summer tournament, and then they have a fall tournament, uh, one in July and then one in September, uh, which is really a fun tournament to do. Uh, and that's and that's a new facility up in Milk River uh, that is a very good facility now. Uh, all made really nice courts, four lighted courts. All the rest of them are very nice. True bounce. Nets are great. Uh, has windscreens and very a good, very good facility uh, to play tennis at also. And uh, also with that, too, 
uh, I play uh, what they call mixers in the winter here to keep my timing right in the winter. And so there's a lot of a group of guys that hit the ball really good that I've fallen into that kind of keeps my game as good as it can get. Uh, some of those guys are really good and they, you know, they kind of look at you when you hit it as hard as you can to them. They kind of look at you and say, can you hit it a little harder, please? <laughs> so that's the young bucks. They're young eyes, young legs. They can get to anything and they can pound the ball too. So I just do my best to get in there and play what I can play and do what I can do uh, on the court. I actually played today in doubles. Uh, didn't do very good because the other team was really good. But it was pretty warm out there today, humid too. Uh, but it was still a good uh, good match. They beat us in two sets. So, But it was always fun. And uh, also, too, I will also be... Uh, letting you know just other upcoming episodes of what I might be doing uh, as it comes along. My goal really is to actually interview a tennis pro at one time, and that might be uh, on here if I can get them to do, you know, if I can call and be on YouTube that way, or I may just do a uh, Zoom call or something like that and have it on a regular podcast that I'm going to be doing also. So with that, I do hope uh, that you like episode two. I hope you learned something in this. And like I said, let me know on uh, my Facebook uh, what you think and what you would like to hear. Uh, would you like to hear uh, like maybe lessons or how to hit the ball or, or more information? Uh, let me know. So I appreciate it, and thank you for listening, and have a great day.